Hi, everybody. Kip Herridge here with the Daily VRA Investing Podcast, a bit of a different podcast today. We're very, uh, very, very fortunate to be joined today by Dr. Gavin Yamey from Duke University. Uh, just a quick intro of myself for those who have a lot of new people here, hopefully, uh, here to, to learn uh, from, a, from Dr. Yamey and get some good questions answered that I think, by and large, are not being answered in the mainstream media. And personally speaking, I think that speaks to my frustration that I felt, and I think I speak for a lot of people. So this is going to be a great opportunity to go right to the source and get some great, uh, great questions answered. Uh, just very quickly, uh, my background is 36 years in the investment business, 15 years on Wall Street. I've had the VRA, our, our financial publishing business now, since 2003. Uh, this is uh, coming up on four years of podcasts, almost 1,000 podcasts we've done. And uh, we've wanted for the last couple of years to do one about coronavirus. So this is fantastic. Uh, again, welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us here today. Dr. Gavin Yandy, please say hi, everybody. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks for the opportunity, Kip. I have not been on a podcast quite like this. I, uh, I know nothing about financial investing uh, or Bitcoin or anything like that, but I'm really looking forward to, uh, to talking with you and to reaching viewers and listeners, um, you know, who I don't normally reach. So uh, looking forward to what I hope will be a, you know, a fact-based, science-based conversation. I think uh, between your followers on Twitter and your community, and mine and the people this is gonna reach, I think we have a chance now to, to really help people get some answers to questions they've had. I think we need a lot more. I hope so. You. I, I, you know, I hope so. And I acknowledge that, you know, um, I work in public health. I'm a physician um, by training. Um, I acknowledge that there are ongoing concerns that people have, questions that they have, um, you know, this, this is a, a pandemic that has been the worst in 100 years. Um, uh, there's been a you know, changing knowledge about the virus, you know, how is it transmitted, what are the best ways to prevent it, and um, we're still rolling out the vaccines. And so it's all been happening, you know, in a, I guess, a kind of a fog of war, if you like. So if there's a chance today to, to address some questions or concerns, Really happy to do so. Fantastic. I'm going to give you a proper introduction as well. Just real quick, folks, we've got about six topics we want to get to. We only have 45 minutes, a little bit less now. So we're going to go through this fairly quickly. Uh, this, this man is, uh, has got a phenomenal CV, as you see right here. Uh, he's right now currently the founder and director of the, uh, and professor at Duke University, founder and director of the uh, Center for, Pup for Policy Impact and Global Health. As you see his uh, CV in front of you here, Oxford University. University College of London. This is a this is a guy that let's just say we were a little bit different growing up, Dr. Yamey. Uh, I went to uh, I went to the the Oxford of the South, Samuelson State University. Oh yeah, about an hour, about an hour north of uh, Houston here. So uh, we have a bit of a different educational background, but I have done what I've done 36 years now. I think I've learned a few things. Obviously, you have as well. Uh, so this is a real honor again, um, folks. Again, we're going to move quickly here. My background, real quick, for those that don't know me, I'm a lifelong independent. I didn't find Trump. Trump found me. That's how I think a lot of people feel about this. Uh, we want these vaccines to succeed because Trump, I mean, this was, uh, what was it called? Operation Warp Speed, right? This was his baby. I also come from a family of nurses, my mother, my grandmother, my aunt. So Dr. Yamey, I understand what this last two years has been like for you and for your profession. You guys don't get, not nearly enough people talk about the stress that, that, that you folks have been through in the last couple of years. I can't even imagine it. Well, I should say it's really, it's the frontline workers. I have the privilege, I work in public health and in global public health. As you can see, I have the privilege of working 
you know, from an office on, on policy questions and questions on how you fund the vaccine and how you deliver it. It's really people on the front lines, the nurses, the physical therapists, the, you know, the doctors, all the frontline providers and, and, you know, all essential workers, you know, who've been um, really, you know, at the forefront of this. My sister is a respiratory physio, physical therapist, and she works on a COVID ward. Um, and I know that people are really pretty burnt out and they've seen wave after wave, as you know, that's the this thing about this pandemic is that it has come uh, in waves. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm convinced as a, as a physician, as a, a professor of global public health, um, that our way out of this is through widespread vaccination. We're not doing enough to vaccinate the world. I hope we'll, we'll get to talk about that, the global vaccine inequity. Um, but, you know, I was actually involved in the very earliest effort back in February of last year to start thinking about how we were going to manufacture and finance and deliver the vaccine to the world. So it's been a, really a remarkable thing to watch. None of us predicted. If I think back to the first meeting, it was at the World Bank in February of last year. I don't think anybody in the room, and it was a room with quite a lot of experts, would have predicted that we would have you know, a whole range of astoundingly safe, effective vaccines in such a short time. The, you know, the fastest time in history, the, the, the quickest vaccine develop in history. Um, uh, the fastest before was months, which took four years. We developed vaccines for COVID-19 in under a year. And I know, Kit, that we're gonna talk about some of your concerns. I've seen you express them on Twitter. And I wonder whether actually, the fact that it was so fast makes some people go, wow, you know, if it was that fast, um, you know, should we have faith in it? The reality is the technology were behind some of these vaccines were decades in, and decades in the making. The process by which they were tested was very thorough in large scale trials. We've now vaccinated literally billions and billions of people, um, tens of millions of young people. And it remains in the real world absolutely the case that these are astoundingly safe and effective. And I hope we're going to get to chat about that. And I hope we're going to get to chat about childhood vaccines. With, with, I have a son. I know you have two sons. I know that you and I would do anything for our boys. Uh, we want to keep them safe. And uh, I know you've got some questions about that. Our kid has his first dose lined up uh, next week, and he'll have the second dose three weeks after. And I hope we can get to you know, chat about childhood vaccination, which again, I think is a, an important part of us getting to a place where we can bring this pandemic to a close, return to some kind of normality. I mean, you know, this has been a couple of years now, we're all wanting this to end. And I do think vaccination plus some other measures, as you know, um, together are going to be required for us to get this you know, this pandemic to an end. I don't think we're going to, we're going to be able to eliminate the virus in the United States. Um, I think that we're going to reach a place that's been called endemicity uh, or low endemicity where we have the virus, it will be, it will be among us. I, I, I am not in the camp that thinks we can eliminate it, um, but I think we can drive it down to very low levels. I apologize. We just limited time here. So sure. um, again, just to be very, very candid, I feel yeah. like people that have watched CNN or MSNBC or even Fox for the last year, 
what you just said, that's what they that's the message. That's the message they've heard. But those of us that are on the flip side that have legitimate questions feel like they're not. Yes. So let's let's go to some of those. Let's dive in. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would I would say that I wouldn't I wouldn't say that all of the uh, the media always tell the story correctly. Um, but let, let's dive into some of your concerns. It is the media after all. So we know we know enough of how that works. OK, uh, that's a fair statement. So <clears throat> the frontline workers that you mentioned, your family, my family, yourself, so many people that, you know, obviously, pretty much everybody in your life. Um, these poor people that have been working on the front lines, many of them now have natural immunity. Why, why are they having to be vaccinated? What's the, I had natural immunity. I had coronavirus two years ago. Good question. I was one of the first people, no. of the first people here in this area to have it. Yeah, my, I just so, had my bodies tested two months ago. Why would no. they need to be vaccinated? Kim, that's a very good question. So let me address that. First of all, I know that there are, you know, some folks who think that the way to get ourselves protected is to get infected, to build so-called natural immunity. The problem with that approach, and I, you know, I, I say this somewhat flippantly, and I mean it incredibly, incredibly seriously. The problem with that approach is all the dead people that that but trying to about, build. Hold on, let me just. If you, I'm, talking about, if, the, I'm if you, talking about the 100 million people in the U.S. already that, that have natural immunity. No, no. Let me just. Can I just let me just finish? That that there are that you know there has been an attempt to sort of say that we should just let the virus pass through society and build quote unquote natural immunity. I don't like that term very much. I prefer infection induced immunity. Natural sort of makes it sound like it's you know harmless. Um, the problem with a strategy of deliberately letting the virus pass through society is that it's very deadly. It's the deadliest pandemic in a hundred years. You probably saw that piece in The Economist that suggested that we've really been underestimating the deaths. We've, we've probably seen SARS-CoV-2 kill somewhere between seven and 13 million people. So it's a, it's a deadly virus. And so it's risky to try an approach in which it kills so many people. It disables so many people. As a, perhaps we can get into the debate about how many people end up with long COVID. I have friends with low, long COVID. It's very disabling. Perhaps five to 10% of infected people go on to get long COVID. This is not a benign illness, and we certainly shouldn't be just allowing people to get it, you know, to get the virus. Now, what about, the about natural, let, let me come back to natural immunity in those who've been infected in the past. It is true, and I think we in the health professional, and here's where I think you and I, Kip, as folks who both love data, uh, can agree. I think it's really absolutely the case that we in the health professional have to acknowledge that there is some immunity that people may have from being infected in the past. But what we really are unclear about is how robust it is, how strong it is, how long it lasts. We know that there are people who have got infected and reinfected with natural immunity. And that is why Every scientific organization, from CDC, you know, to, 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 um, to the, you know, family physicians here, every science organization says that the safest thing to do, the most science-based, the most evidence-based thing to do is to get vaccinated. So I want, I want something very simple, actually. You know, I want the world to get vaccinated, to protect themselves. And I think those who are still at risk we should protect them from infection until they get their shot. Let's give 
everyone there shot. Doctor, I really do have to ask you again to be as succinct as possible. And I just, sure. I'm not trying to be combative, but- No, 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 absolutely. What you're saying is exactly what we've heard on all the networks. What you're saying, you're not educating, I'm sorry, but you're not educating anyone. We know this. We, we've no, I'm explaining the science. I'm, sure, I'm, well, I'm know, explaining what the, what the, what the data what show and what the, the science show. This is not about my opinion. This is not about your opinion. Your opinion and my opinion are not what we're discussing today. Science we're is discussing. Not settled on this. So hold on. What we're discussing is the science and the data. Those data clearly are not Republican data. They're not Democratic data. They're not independent data. They're data. And what we know from the data, what we know from the science, I agree with you that those who have been infected in the past will have some immunity, but robust. the science shows that that is not reliable. It no, is not robust. necessarily durable. The and now we have vaccines that are exquisitely <laughs> effective and astoundingly safe. These and that's why we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to offer everybody their, shot, everybody their chance to get protected and bring this pandemic to an end. You're filibustering with the mainstream propaganda. I'm going to ask you, we all know what you're saying. We've heard it so often. Please let me finish. There sure. is no data. There's no data that I've seen that says if you have natural immunity, you're prone to be reinfected. Matter of fact- No, that's not true, Kit. No, we, we were having a conversation about the, let the me science. Let, please, science. Let, me, let me finish. I'll let you finish. The Israel study that said you've got nat if you have natural immunity, you're 25 times more protected than the vaccine even. What about that data? And there are other studies to show the opposite. So let what me just those? explain. Let me just explain. You're what, asking what, me a question. First studies, of all, first of all, let, let, let's just agree on a few ground rules here. This isn't about filibustering. Filibustering is when you imply that I'm talking so that I, you know, you yeah. can't get a word in edgeways. You've invited me onto, onto this show to talk about science, to talk about data. This isn't a partisan discussion. We are both fathers. We really want the best for our kids and we want the best for society. We're both patriots, we're both Americans. And I would like to say that, as you know, all of the health agencies recommend vaccination because it is the most robust way to ensure okay. that you we, get protection. And let me, just, let, let me just say one, one thing. The remarkable thing about vaccination is it reduces your chance of getting infection. It reduces transmission to others. If you happen to get infected, it reduces your chances of illness, hospitalization, and death. It is a win, 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 win. And so that is why, look, I, I have no dog in the race. I, I have, I, I've never taken a cent, a penny from any pharmaceutical company in my life. I am not on the pay of industry. I come to this as a father. I come to this as a physician. And I come to this as a professor of public health who has read data, understands the data. You're a data right. guy. I know you know a lot about financial again, data. I'm again, a health data guy. Again, no filibustering, please. Just please make us a succinct point because we've got five other questions we got to get to here, okay? Right, so okay, let's go. What I, would, what I would say for the frontline workers that are, that are watching this is to have natural immunity. What in the world is going on here? These people have, they're the healthiest of all people. They should be hired first, not fired. I think it's just unbelievably, it's mean-spirited to the extreme. Let and me I, explain. Let me explain why health workers are being required to get vaccinated. No, okay. we under, we understand. No, no, no. I'll, I'll be very quick. I know you don't want me to say a lot. We have a mandate here at Duke in the Duke hospitals. You cannot work here unless you're vaccinated against flu, unless you're vaccinated against COVID-19. 
even if I don't even go to the hospital, amongst us, the staff and the students, amongst staff and students here, there are people with kidney transplants, rheumatoid arthritis, and other immune conditions. We do not have the right, I think, as health professionals, to transmit the virus onto people and to make them sick. I really think health professionals but need to protect their colleagues, protect their patients, and protect society, and vaccination is the way to do that. I'm really convinced, having seen the data and looking at the data on the benefits of vaccination, I really do support the notion that health workers should, should get vaccinated, absolutely. Well, we're Let's jumping on, on to the bit, next question. I, I've got to the say, of time. I've got to say, I think you're, you're stating things on the record that aren't factually true, because we know that if you've been vaccinated- No, Kip, no, no, Kip, please, this is, please, no, Kip, no. Me, I'm letting you finish. This let is, this talk. is let not, me, this is not why talk. you invited me onto the show. I want to talk for one minute. Give me one minute to speak. I'm letting you speak. I believe that we've heard from, Bill Gates just said this, right? We've heard from the CDC directly that if you're vaccinated, you, you can get it. You can give it to others and you can die from it. We see the heaviest populated states and countries that are, as, as far as being highly vaccinated, look at their, their case counts are soaring. So clearly something else, the science, something that's going on in the science. There is, sure, let, let me address that. There is no vaccine that is 100% effective. What is astounding about science and astounding about these vaccines is that they reduce dramatically <clears throat> your chances of getting infect infected. They reduce transmission of the virus to others and they dramatically reduce your chance of getting sick, hospitalized or dying if you get infected. That's why I am vaccinated. That's why my spouse right. is vaccinated. And that is why our kid will be vaccinated. Right. And those are the facts. And, and okay. Kip, I really, would, I really want you to stop saying that I'm not being honest about the data. And I said, Professor I said of Global Health, I, no, 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 hold on. This is I important. Said not factual. We, Kip, I we agreed on some Kip, Kip, we agreed on some ground rules before I came well, on I this can, show. And those ground rules I can, are I can, I can, that I would I would facts. share data and I would share the facts. This is not a partisan discussion. This is not a Republican or an okay. independent discussion. You this and I, we want the same topic. thing. So 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 that's really an important point. And I also I want to say one more thing. One you more would thing. Agree, though. You would agree though. Let me just say one, one, one final thing, which is that a really important one, that as you know, no doubt about this, this is a fact. As you know, Kip, and I know, no doubt this is nothing to do with uh, opinion. This is just fact. Vaccinated adolescents are 10 times less likely to be hospitalized than unvaccinated adolescents. That is a fact. Nobody you know, debates that or has any okay. doubt about that. Let's move so on to really, that. It's just really important to understand that vaccination Let's... is, as you know, the Pope said, Pope Francis, vaccination, he said, Pope Francis, I'm Jewish. Uh, I don't know what whether you're a religious, religious man, Kip, I'm Jewish. Pope Francis said, vaccination with COVID-19 is an act of love. You are not just protecting yourself, you're protecting your family, you're protecting your community. It's a beautiful no, thing. We, we have to stop the filibuster. We just have to. We've got five other topics to get to. On the question of science, the science has changed. You're saying you're dealing with facts here. The science has changed dramatically since these vaccines were first introduced. Remember at first they said, all you gotta do is get the vaccine and you're done. Biden said, you can't get it. You can't give it to other people. We know that's clearly not the case now. The science has clearly changed. The science is not settled. So my question to you is, 
What happens if we find out in six months or a year or in two years or in five or 10 that everything we've been told now was incorrect? Because you have to admit, as a man of science, that is possible. That is possible. Take a look at who is hospitalized and who is dying of COVID-19 today. Take a look, tragically, very, very few people. where, take a look very where the bodies, people. Kip, hold on, hold on, please stop filibustering me. Um, take a look where the bodies are piling high. They are in unvaccinated people. If you take a look at who is in hospital, who is getting sick and who is dying, there is a dramatic about, difference between those who are vaccinated and those who are unvaccinated. We have a remarkable opportunity, Kip. Do you want this pandemic to end? I really how want about, this pandemic to end. About, I am tired about, of it. We are all South tired America? of it. As you know, South Kip, America, hold on, Kip. As you know, one in three Americans, one in three Americans knows somebody who has died of COVID-19. I'm sure you do, I do. We have a chance to bring this pandemic to an end. Vaccination is our way forward in doing that. And we still have a huge number of Americans, sadly, who are not yet vaccinated. Are you vaccinated? Am I vaccinated? I'm fully vaccinated except for this. Because right. I'm a free man, I choose not to be. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you vaccinated against COVID-19? Of course not. Absolutely not. Why are you taking that risk? I'm a healthy guy. Not The, the survival rate for people that get it is 99.8%. Why in God's name would I get it? But that risk that you are taking, that is what I would say. I had is, Hold on, hold on, hold I on. Had what it. I've got I would COVID. say is an, you know, you are taking a, you are taking had, a risk against immunity. a virus that we really don't know, do you know, everything I, about. I have so, immunity. Are you opposed to people getting vaccinated against COVID-19? Your body, your choice, baby, all the way. Your body, your choice. Wait, hold on one second. Are you opposed to people getting? Are you are you opposed to people getting vaccinated against COVID nineteen? Absolutely. Are not you opposed. saying I should not have got vaccinated? My spouse should not have got vaccinated. Is that what you're arguing? I just, I just said twice. Your body, your choice. So you are saying it is fine for people to get vaccinated, but you're Absolutely. choosing not to yourself. Okay. Absolutely. You're not out there. I hope you're not out there persuading people not to get vaccinated. Your body, your choice. I can keep saying. Okay, that. so you're giving information. For example, let's just, I know you want to talk about children. There are 680 kids who have been killed by COVID-19. Children shouldn't die, as you know, Kip. It is the case that children should not die. But that's, 680 that's not kids. Actually, Hold that on. That's not actually true. There are 680 children who have that's died from COVID-19. It's not actually As true. you know, when you look they at died, other vaccines, they died you, with coronavirus. as you they know, when you look at other vaccines that they were rolled out, as you look at other vaccines that were rolled out, they were rolled out with far fewer numbers of children dying. As you know, Kip, let's just compare it, for example, to flu vaccine. Man. So in a typical flu season, it's, a, it's, it's, it's horrific to think about, but in a typical, typical flu season, something like 100 kids die of flu. And we're not reaching all of them with flu vaccination. Sadly, we're only reaching about 60% of kids. We could drive that number down if we reach the remaining 40%. So compare that to 680 deaths already in children. We know that over 5,000 kids, sadly, have developed this condition called MIS-C, multi-system inflammatory syndrome. We know that 
The kids who are hospitalized, as I said, you're 10 times more likely to be hospitalized if you're an adolescent, if you're not vaccinated. A third go on to intensive care. We could be preventing illness and sickness and death in children and adolescents and helping to protect families and communities. And by the way, also helping to prevent education disruption. And that is why, as you saw the FDA committee and the CDC committee unanimously approved the vaccine for five to 11 year olds. And as you know, millions of kids have already been vaccinated in the 12 uh, to 17 age group. And you know, every pediatrician I know, literally, and I know, <laughs> Kip, I know so many pediatricians. I'm sure you do as well. Every pediatrician I know who has kids, she or he is, is obviously vaccinating their kids. Um, every infectious disease expert, every infectious disease epidemiologist, they're vaccinating their kids. And, and that's why, I mean, uh, given all of these uh, benefits. Now, of course- Dr. Yemi, Dr. Yemi, you, you just spoke for three and a half straight minutes. You have to let me get into some points. Uh, why, instead of only clogging the call. Sure, but sure, but you, you asked died, me about uh, vaccine died, kids. Died with and died from are two very different things. And I think it's irresponsible. I think it's almost medical malpractice to be saying- No, no, kid, me, no, kid. Dr. Yamey, let me talk. Let me speak for a minute. I want one minute, that's all. I think it's- This, is, uh, this is not what we agreed on when you in invited me for an interview on your show. You said you it would be non, hold on, hold on. You, you said the entire time. You non-adversarial, hold on. You said non-adversarial. You said fact-based. You've just accused me of medical, you just accused me of medical malpractice. This is not a good faith interview. Um, and all the ground rules kept that you lay down, you have just ripped them up. So if you are Let going me to allow me to keep talking about the science, and the data and the evidence, we can go on. Will you retract your accusation of medical malpractice? If not, I think this interview is over. I wasn't, speaking, I wasn't speaking about you. I believe there's medical malpractice happening in the medical profession. For example, let me tell you something. I think the Dow Jones is going to 100,000, okay? Uh, and I think it's gonna happen within five years. I've, I've called it, it's a melt up. I believe, I can, I, can, I can give a compelling case that I believe that's gonna happen. But what I can't do is guarantee it. And people in the medical community are essentially guaranteeing that this vaccine is going to work and they shouldn't be doing it. I believe that is medical malpractice. Now, oh, one, more, one more point before you interrupt me. The vaccine has worked. We're one not more, predicting it worked. Yeah, but you don't know the long-term consequences. You do not know. We this. do. That is we unknowable. Do. It's unknowable. You can't know this. Not at In this general, point. as you know, hold on. In general, as you know, the side effects of vaccines, if they're going to appear, appear in the first roughly two months. We don't it see... Is long-term side effects. Hold on, because you asked me a very specific you're, question. You're certain this we is- We have seen dramatic reductions. It's really astonishing. Science is, is a wonderful thing. It's called kid, herd, so immunity. herd immunity. Science is really a wonderful, extraordinary thing. And science is our way out of this pandemic. And okay. what has been astonishing to see is the real world and really okay. astounding reduction in the risk of death, hospitalization, sickness, Long COVID, right, missing right. we, all we, these reasons. I, as you know, I'm an advocate of COVID nineteen vaccination. Yeah, I believe, and it's Dr. not Andy, because believe, it's not I it's believe. not because I'm being paid by industry. I've never taken a penny from industry. It's because I'm a physician, I'm a father, and I'm a professor of global health, and I believe in data. I'm a data driven guy, 
You repeat um, And I was very excited to come on your show because you asked if I would share data on Okay, on so these. let me ask you this question. Tyler, would you go ahead and play the video clip from Dr. Uh, Ezekiel, please? Because this, this, this goes right to the heart of the question. Tyler, can you play that? Yes, can you see it? No. How about now? Let's see. Yeah. I see it. I can't hear her speak. I don't see or hear anything. In terms of definition of people dying of COVID. So the case definition is, is very simplistic. It means at the time of death, um, it, it was a COVID positive diet. I don't see or hear anything. That Could you just you paraphrase? Yes. Can you just paraphrase? I don't see or hear uh, anything. There must like, be a technical problem. I will. It what's is, your question? What's what's your question? A, it's a 30 second clip. I'd like the audience to see it. Then I'll tell you what she said. Tyler, go ahead and play it all. In hospice and had already been given, you know, a few weeks to live. And then you also were found to have COVID that would be counted as a COVID death. It means that if um, technically, if even if you died of a clear alternate cause, but you had COVID at the same time, it's still listed as a COVID death. So um, everyone who's listed as a COVID death doesn't mean that that was the cause of the death, but they had COVID at the time of death. I hope that's helpful. Okay, did you hear that, Dr. Yemi? No, I didn't see or hear anything. Okay, what, I'll what paraphrase. Your question? I'll paraphrase and it'll be in the full, in the full uh, podcast when, when we publish it. That was Dr. Azike, the Director of the Department of Public Health. This is from last year who explained that just because they say someone died with coronavirus, it doesn't mean they died from coronavirus. And she oh, I see. I understand what you're saying. Yes. No, the 680 deaths that I talked about in children, those were killed by SARS-CoV-2, the illness, COVID-19. About a third of them, as you know, had no pre... Hold on. As you know, you that saw the so data. Right. About you, a you third not, of them had no pre-existing condition. You, you saw that about a third um, had no pre-existing conditions. And what is no, something that I think we don't, Kip, what we don't talk about enough, and I'm really happy you've, you've, you've raised this, what we don't talk about enough are the inequities in who gets sick and who gets and who dies. We know that um, Black Americans, we know that Latinx Americans and Native Americans, they are more likely to get infected, they're more likely to die. That is also true of children, there's been a disproportionate burden of this illness uh, on minority children. So I think it's really important that in our, in our vaccination outreach, as you know, we make sure that everybody can benefit, everybody can enjoy the fruits of, of scientific innovation, as, as you know, um, Pope Francis called it an act of love. And that's the kind of love that we in the public health community are hoping, you know, to be able to, uh, uh, to ensure that everybody has, everybody can, can partake of the fruits of science. Everybody can get protected, protect their families um, uh, and protect their communities. Or, or, I have to or say, you know, to. when the polio, or, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't around. When the polio vaccine was discovered, you know, Kip, people were hugging each other okay. and they had parties in the streets. It was amazing. We're, we're, and it's been, it's, I have to say, it's been, it's been lovely seeing the sort of the celebrations and the kind of block parties around vaccination in the last few weeks. Yeah. I'm sure you've been as excited as I have to, uh, to, to witness that. Well, I think it's very odd that the people that are vaccinated are also double masked and wearing masks in their car and in their home because they're so worried about getting it. I think that's very strange. It's a very good question, Kip. I'm pleased you asked me that. And in fact, it's a reasonable thing to ask. 
Um, as you may know, Duke University has a vaccine mandate. And a lot of folks have said, well, if everybody's vaccinated, why are you also masking? And that's a very good question, Kip. I'm pleased that you raised it. Very oh, thank good you question. for that. And let me just explain what the rationale is. And I agree with you that we won't need to be masking forever. But let me just explain the rationale. A few weeks back, we had an outbreak here on campus with almost 400 people infected, mm -hmm. mostly vaccinated. Every, everybody they vaccinated. Didn't, hold up, no, not everybody, but mo most people. People didn't get sick. 90, 94%. Hold on, can I just explain? People didn't get sick. They didn't get symptoms. A few got just a cold or whatever. The, the vaccine worked. The concern wasn't those folks. The concern was our community. We didn't want to contribute towards driving COVID-19 into our beautiful Durham community. We're not, you know, we're not distinct from them. We're not hermetically but, but, sealed. But, but Dr. Yamey, look, look. And then here, we also, hold on, here, hold on, let me just finish. And we also have, hold on, as I said before, there are students and staff, I know this, who have had kidney transplants or rheumatoid arthritis or who are immune compromised. And this happened at a time when kids under 12 had still not had access to the vaccine. So for all those reasons, we have been masking. The wonderful thing about masking is, and we're the only university I think that has this data. I can get back to you on that, but I'm pretty sure it's true. I think we are the only university in the country, if not the world, and we're very, very lucky, we're very privileged to do genetic sequencing on every single confirmed case. We're doing that and it, partly because it gives us incredible knowledge of how this virus is transmitted. And what we have found, it's really extraordinary, is we have not documented a single case of classroom transmission with universal masking. We added filtration. Now we have vaccination. It's about layers of protection. But you're right, Kip. We need to start defining what are called off-ramps. You may have heard this expression, off-ramps. When is it? that we can unmask, for example. And we are in the process now of defining what those off-ramps might be. Maybe it's a combination of what percentage of people are vaccinated, together with how much we've driven down community transmission. If there's very little right. SARS-CoV-2 being transmitted in your community, what is the and a very high percentage of people are vaccinated, then you can start thinking about off-ramps. But you know, but we've we still got a huge proportion of unvaccinated Americans who are at high risk of sickness and death. You're, you're, you're living in a bubble, my man, because listen, in Texas here and in Florida, other states, it, we barely even notice coronavirus. I, I've worn a mask four times the entire time, okay? Yeah, but Both Florida people, has been one of the hardest. Florida has been please, very painful. It's please, been so painful to painful, watch. Very painful. Painful to watch the deaths. What happened was- The explosion of deaths in Florida. Honestly, I was in tears when I saw the explosion uh, of deaths in Florida. I'm sorry, but you're in a You bubble. saw the Florida deaths. It was really quite something. I think, um, again, leaving aside politics, Ron DeSantis, you know, adopted oh an goodness. unusual, unusual wow. set of uh, policies. Wow, you are- And, and I'm are, watching death rates, including, as you know, in nursing homes. It was really I, painful. I, 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 I was in tears watching the- extraordinary right. explosion of deaths in Florida. Well, that's, yes. another, that's another very sad topic of New York. Again, blue states did that, very sad topic. Okay, we're running out of time. We uh, are, I've got to go and pick up my kid from school in seven minutes. I know, I know, that's why I want to I finish this. And again, I know this has been 
back and forth. I think this is really healthy. I think people are going to enjoy this on both sides. I really think this will be great. And uh, again, I do appreciate it. I don't mean to be coming across as, as rude, and I'm, I'm sure I do. But uh, I mean, but you kids. As I said, I wanted to come on this podcast. I've never been on a podcast like this before. Um, you know, I've never been interviewed by, by a, a Trump a booster and supporter. Um, I wanted to reach your listeners and readers um, uh, and viewers with, with good, solid, science-based information. I'm grateful to have had that chance. I wish it had not been adversarial. You had, had agreed that well, it wouldn't be. And I'm not quite sure how we got there. Well, and I wish you hadn't. I, I think, I think a medical good, malpractice a, stuff, filibustering stuff. Debate. That was unfortunate, Kip, because you a and I, debate. we both, you and I both want the same thing. We want people to be safe. We want our boys to be safe. You have uh, been well and we may we we, we have we, you know we have that in common. I will give um, you that. And you so I'm well pleased that I had the chance. I wish it hadn't have been so uh, adversarial. Well, but thank you for the opportunity. We're, we're not we're not quite done yet. So Tyler, put up the slide from the Italian Ministry of Health. I, I really want to get Dr. Gaming's view on this. This was announced yesterday, where the Italian Ministry of Health has dropped their their official death count. Now is that it, Tyler? No, the other one. This is, I can see this this time. This is from the QAnon, excuse me. Is no, this from the please. QAnon magazine, the Epoch Times? Oh, please, I would not please. call this a reliable. <laughs> no, please. We don't, no, we don't, I, I would we don't, not, no, uh, no I would reason. not call, I would not there's, call there's, the Epoch, no reason, Epoch no Times. Reason to go there. Uh, anyway, um, but look, look, Kip, I think, listen, I think you have raised, a, you've raised a very, yeah, Dr. Yaney, Dr. Yaney, please. You've raised a very important point, Kip. Please let us speak. Please uh, hold on. I think it's no, important. No. Gavin, you've spoken Just, enough. Give us a second here. Thank you. You invited me to speak. Tyler, show put up the slide of the Italian Ministry of Health because this was yes. just this is national international news. Anyway, bottom line is we're running out of time. Anyways, okay, run out of time. I'm going to go and get to the Italian Ministry of Health. Just dropped their official death total from what was it, Tyler? From uh, uh, what was the total? I don't want to get this wrong. I have it here. Here we go. Just you have it from the. <laughs> It's not the epoch the times. Not Come on, folks. That. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Tell me the total. Tyler, hold on. I, just can we just health. can we stop here for a second, Kip? Because this is important. Tyler, that's not it. This is perhaps the most important. Talking. Talking. This is perhaps the most important thing I'm going to say. Is I think it's really important, extremely important, to look at the sources of data. You saw yesterday. The trial in five to 11 year olds was published. It was published in a reputable journal called the New England Journal of Medicine. You saw that the vaccine reduced infection. Hold on by 91%. Right there, there it is. Hold on. And I don't think, just hold on. You shouldn't be getting, You just hold on one second. You shouldn't be getting information. It's right there. You shouldn't be getting information from from 130,000 under 4,000 from the QAnon. Honestly, broadly recognized the QAnon magazine versus. I mean, look. You should look at QAnon magazine. Times, Gavin. Gavin, the Journal of Medicine. QAnon. Shut your mouth for a second. My point is a really important one, and I think it would actually be a very good thing for your listeners to know that I think it's better to get your hold on, Tyler. Could you please let me finish? We've heard um, a lot. It's time for somebody yeah, else to speak for a second. Kip and Tyler, you keep it's saying that really I've spoken enough, but you invited me. You invited me. You invited me to come on your show to talk, you are, and now you, you keep are. telling me to stop talking. So, yeah. do you want me on your show to 
to talk or not. It's a remarkable have, experience. Have a and my my main point is yeah. that yeah. I do yeah. not trust yeah. the QAnon. I don't think that you should trust Children's topic. Health Defense Fund, Robert Kennedy Jr., the disinformation not, not dozen, the final, final QAnon. Don't, don't, don't trust those so as sources far, of data. So far, okay. Big Pharma to date has made $250 billion in revenue. And they are they have no liability. Does that concern you? Do, do any of do it does any of that concern you? So this is again, Kip, this is something I, I really hope that we were going to talk about because I think it's pretty clear that you and I have very different views on many, many things. But I think there is an area where you and I can agree on, and that is the drug companies are not doing enough. You and I can agree the drug companies are not doing enough to make their vaccines freely available around the world. They are putting profit, I would say, ahead of the global public good. Now, you and I know these are profit-making enterprises, right? They have to make a profit. I'm not naive enough to believe that they would do this for love alone. You're a finance guy. You know this. I know this. We know that they have to make a profit. But I would argue right now that the amount of profit that they are making is tantamount to kind of profiteering, profiteering. I would like to see Pfizer and Moderna and other companies, I'd like to see them share their patents, for example. Mm -hmm. I would like to see them transfer the technology to low and middle income countries that are hungry to start making the vaccines themselves. They could still be making a decent amount of money and do more to vaccinate the world. There are some countries where, you know, only two or three or 4% of people are vaccinated and they are being hit so hard by this pandemic. The bodies are piling high. We as a society need to do better, as you know, on what's been called global vaccine apartheid. And I think companies, I think you and I can agree on this, companies really need to be doing a lot more, a lot more to share patents, to transfer the technology, and to ensure that everyone, not just the rich world, can enjoy the benefits of protection that the vaccine uh, gives us. I agree with that. Okay, that's it. I've got to go and get my kid from, uh, from school or else um, he won't have anyone to pick him up. Thank you for the opportunity, Kip and Tyler. Nice to meet you both. Thank you, Dr. Gavin Amy, Duke University. We appreciate the time today. Hope to see you again. Bye now.